please pray with me as we enter into this time of, of communion. Holy God, who moves this day toward peaceableness, God of Jew and Greek, God of male and female, God of slave and free, God of haves and have-nots, God of the confident and the frightened, God of the tax collector and the Pharisee, you are our God who makes all things new. We come to you this day in thanksgiving for the reconciliation you have brought to the world through your Son, Jesus Christ. We are humbled and grateful more than we can say. In our amazement, we dare to imagine a world that acknowledges and practices your kingdom ways. We imagine transformation of lives from death to life. We imagine defeat of anger, hate, and hurt. We imagine caring between those who have so little and those who have too much. We imagine healings that can happen only by your grace. Dear God, we risk uttering the groanings of our hearts for your reconciliation. We so deeply yearn for things which seem impossible. <clears throat> it seems not possible for the homeless and the homed to live together, but we groan. It seems not possible to move past our burdens of fear and brokenness, of abuse and weariness. Not possible but we imagine it. It seems not possible to be innocently alive with all the burdens we must keep hidden. Not possible. But we pray for your impossibility. Help us, O oh God, to join with you in these impossibilities by embodying reconciliation towards others by our actions and deeds. Keep us present in the moments of opportunity where with you, the impossibilities may become reality. God of Exodus and Easter, God of homecoming and forgiveness, God of fierceness and peacefulness, hear this day our urgency and do among us what none of us can do ourselves. We pray this out of the shattering death and shimmering new life of Jesus, whose name we bear. Amen. So before I speak. Mike has an excellent story that he shared with the shepherds on Tuesday night that I would love for him to share with you all. And uh, it's about reconciliation, so really perfect for what Pat just prayed. I thought I was doing a good thing. But no good deed goes unpunished. 
I, uh, I was trying to help somebody, and they flew into a rage, such unbridled rage as I've never witnessed. Well, I haven't witnessed since I was a small child. I was told to get off his property and never set foot again, among other things. This was someone that I had been a casual acquaintance of for a long time. I tried to do good and it wasn't received that way. And I complied and I wrote him a letter. And I just told him that I would miss, miss our friendship that we've had for so many years. A week went by. I saw him several times. He wouldn't look at me. And then we went out of town. When we came back from Williamsburg and we came Sunday two weeks ago, I believe it was. It might have been last week, but I think it was two weeks ago. John's lesson was on reconciliation. I told Lisa when I got in the car, I wish that there was something else I can do to be reconciled with my brother. But it's in God's hands now. Only he can change the heart. And I have done everything that I can do to be at peace with him. Monday morning, there was a knock on my front door. It was my friend. And he looked totally different than he did the last time I saw him. He was the most apologetic, and he asked for my forgiveness, and I said, of course I forgive you, brother. And I told him how happy I was that we were being reconciled. And we went on to talk about various other things. It was a beautiful, beautiful time, but it was not something that I orchestrated. It was something that God moved to make that reconciliation happen. And I just praise God because he is the God of reconciliation, even when we, in our human frailties, cannot do it. So I just wanted to share that church that praise God. That was a half-hearted clap. It was like, I don't know, should we clap? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's that awkward stuff, right? Like, so you sort of clap, and they're like, is anyone following me? Well, maybe we should, well, should we just let this die right now? Or should I try to pick it back up? But if I try to pick it back up and I'm the only one, then it's really, really weird at this point in time. Oh. <sighs> I am super excited about this morning. I'm having a great time. Wow. It's been excellent so far. I'm kind of puts the pressure on me here because... The benediction and the stories and all this stuff has been so good. Um, wow, wonderful. So good to see so many people. We got this place packed with folks. Yeah, man, the Lord is amazing, isn't he? Ah, this is good stuff. Um,
So this morning, I'm going to try to be fairly brief. You've got to give me a little bit of room. I mean, it's 1041. It's not too bad, right? It's still pretty early. Um, do what now? Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, today, the title of my sermon is Discerning the Body. Um, I love hearing what Mike was sharing about reconciliation. And I see that. I see God's kingdoms breaking through in this moment. It's beautiful. His rule and his reign are breaking through. And it really has me thinking, uh, in line with my message today, how do we treat the body? How are we treating one another? And I think this will hopefully help us kind of tie a bow, so to speak, on our series that we've had for the last seven weeks, eight weeks, something like that. Um, And hopefully woven in there, there'll be us considering this month of prayer and fasting and some things that we can be praying for and participating in. So, yeah, I'm excited. So if y'all want to turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 17. Many of us have read this a thousand times. Some of us maybe, it's, this might be the first time. It's a powerful passage, and I hope that if we're one of the ones that have read it so many times that we uh, take time to once again meditate and reflect on what this means and ask the Spirit, Holy Spirit, please reveal to us as a body and as individuals what you want us to hear, what you want us to see in this passage this morning, because we don't want to just read your word to say we've read it. We want to be totally changed. We want to be transformed into the image of Christ. We want to be built up and we want to be edified. So Lord, help us to not only hear it, but to put this into practice. Amen. All right. So Paul has some issues, or the Corinthians have some issues that Paul needs to address. And that's pretty prevalent in this letter, wouldn't you say, if you've you've read through it. And here is an issue with the Lord's Supper. Verse 17 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Man, if Paul, (laughs) if he said that to me, I'd be like, dude, come on, bro. Like, I mean, (laughs) like, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're nicer guys, right? John and Greg and all these, Megan, people who are shepherds who speak, you know, we I stand in front of you all and go, I just want to talk about this one thing with you all this morning, and I don't commend any of you, okay? That, would, that, would that be great? How would that be? I think I'd have scared you all when I said that. I'm not, I'm not saying that towards you all. When you get together, it's not for the better, it's for the worse. That's pretty strong, isn't it? I guess that does show us that just getting together doesn't mean that we're walking in the heart and the will of God in his kingdom. Because <laughs> some of y'all have some friends that when you get together, it's for the worse. Lucky, I can like that you don't have that. Carolyn does. <laughs> Look at that. I just called <laughs> call you up. We all do. It did make me reflect on if I'm someone that brings out the best of people or am I one that brings out the worst. And I would hope that most of the time it's the best, but I'm sure there's times whenever I'd bring out the worst. For to begin with, in verse 18, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you 
and to some extent I believe it indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. Paul's already had this kind of discussion earlier in this letter with the, with the Corinthians. The Corinthians were saying, hey, they were following after teachers, and that was where they're putting their big focus. I'm with Apollos, I'm with Paul, I'm, you know, and then we see the effect of that at the table of the Lord in this passage. And I think it's easy for us to go, well, you know, oh, boo on the Corinthians. We don't have any factions. Let's use a word that we use, cliques. How about that? I've never been part of a church yet that I haven't heard complaints about cliques. I'm just being real. Like, and some are very valid. Some are maybe not so much valid. But I, I wrestled with this. And the thing is, is the reason that we often do that, I think, is because we just like to be around people who are like us. We, it's comfortable, right? It's comfortable for people who have, make about the same amount of money, who have the same amount of interests, that are around the same age, that have the same stage that they're going through in life. And while there's nothing wrong with being around people like that, in fact, it's encouraged. What the challenge is, is in the body, if we allow it to begin to put little, you know, breaks and factions begin to, walls begin to, you know, come up, clicks begin to be had. Paul says this is an issue because you know Jesus, one of his deepest prayers is a prayer for unity for us. And that's a prayer of unity among generations. That's a prayer of unity among races. I mean, goodness gracious, Jew and, and, and Gentile together at the same table. I love what you were praying earlier today, Pat, male and female, like all these things. This is his heart. And so this is a big deal when the Corinthians have these, I'm going after, I'm, I'm following Greg, I'm following John King, I'm with Tony Woodall, that's when I came in. You know, I'm with John, I'm with John, I'm with John McPeter, that's whenever I came in, I'm a John McPeter. I'm with John McPeters, I didn't even say my last name right, that's, that's a problem. Anyone ever spell their name wrong? Yeah, I'm John with a J-O-N, and sometimes I just write it J-O-H-N, and I have no idea, like, back on track. But if we're not careful, like, I hope that this is part of an examination today uh, in our hearts to go, God, is there any place where, because I'm just comfortable with people like me, that I'm not, that, I'm, that, I'm, that, 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 I'm, that I do have some walls that are built up? that I'm not looking over to bridge gaps between people that are different than me because, God, your kingdom is a kingdom of beautiful unity. Your God, your, God, your kingdom is so diverse and so wonderful. So let's ask ourselves that question today. And then in verse 20, it says, when you come together, it's not really to eat the Lord's Supper. How would you like that? How would you like it to me? Go, we're not eating the Lord's Supper today <laughs> because there's factions among you and we'll hear what happens. You can go to the next slide if you want to. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper. So Paul says, you're not eating the Lord's supper, you're eating your supper. That's strong, isn't it? And one goes hungry, and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and to drink in? This is another one of those places where you go, how do they let this happen? Right? Like, what's going on? Like, how are there people, when you're coming together and we're having a meal like this, where some people are getting drunk and some people don't have enough food and all these things? And I'll tell you, I think a lot of it has to do with these factions. And if usually we're blinded to the cliques that we have. Like, we don't realize that we're kind of in this, our own lane. 
And so when they, they came together, there were people, they probably got together and they got with their buddies and some of them had fine wine and good food and they're hanging out and they're doing with these things. And maybe they're just not paying attention to the rest of the body as much to realize, oh, those folks over there have meager food. But it's easy when we're not in the lives of others. When we've decided to be in the lives of a group of people that are like us and we're not putting ourselves out relationally with others and we don't realize the needs that are there. I could see that happening. And then I think about this in, in the church world that we're in right now and I recognize that for the most part, us within churches gather in churches that are pretty much we're all about the same. Right? It's just, it, it, when there's a church on every corner, you can get the flavor that you want, right? And so we go, and most, no matter where you go to church, it's going to be roughly, you know, the same race, roughly, you know, the same, you know, a lot of times same age group, kind of. Uh, you got different vibes for what age group it is and all those different things. And I wonder if in our city, we feast today if there's not brothers and sisters who are barely being able to eat. And if that's the case, are we aware of it and do we care? You know, God was wrecking me with this because I'm going, man, am I thinking about the broader body of Christ, not just here at Stones River? Because if I am, what do I do about that? Is, would, you, would Paul ever say to us, what are you guys doing? You guys are feasting. You guys are having a great breakfast, but there's parts of the body that are out there that are starving, that are struggling. <clears throat> That's real. Uh, I want to go to the next slide, please. I want to bring up a quick passage here. And this isn't like a beat us up thing. This is a let's reflect and let's grow. And I think we're already on this wonderful path forward, and I commend us all for it. It's exciting and it's scary, as, as you said, Pat. Like, there's times you're like, Ugh. I want to bring this up because I think this is one of the most disobeyed passages in the New Testament. <laughs> I guess I'm bringing the heat today, huh, Greg? <laughs> Dang it. I don't mean to be like that. I don't always... In the context, Jesus has just said, don't sit at the place of honor, be humble, go to the lowest seat, and then maybe they'll bring you into the place of honor. Then he says in verse 12 of Luke 14, he said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or dinner, so I felt like this was good to talk to bring this into this discussion, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid, that's, that's beautiful, at the resurrection of righteousness. Next slide. This is, is going to be the first question that we'll ask as a group here is, how do we feel about this? And let's be, let's have, whenever we have discussions, which isn't right now, but here in a moment, let's just be real. Does this make us angry? Does it make us sad? Are we confused? Do we practice? Because I don't really know many people that practice this, right? Now, Jesus ate with his friends, okay? It's not saying we never can eat with our friends and blah, blah, blah. But is there a rhythm, an intentionality, a practice of being with the people on the margins that Brett, that Brett, <laughs> that Greg shared, <laughs> Oops, I can't even spell my own name. Of course, I can't get his name right. But that practice of being with people on the margins, because Jesus would go, and he said to go, go find him. 
And that's the thing. See, the church in parts of church history, in much of church history, were the people leading the way to the marginalized. They weren't pushing the marginalized to the side or letting this organization handle the marginalized. They were the ones going where society says, no, we don't really want you. They're saying, yes, God wants you and he wants you to be part of his kingdom and we love you and we're going to be with you. It's a place, the church should be this beautiful place of healing and us going and seeking after. To invite someone means you got to go do something. It's not go, you have to say it. You have to go find these people, go invite them, be intentional about what you're doing. And I love what Jesus is saying there. And I have to repent for not practicing this well, as well as I should. So I'm not just up here, yeah, you guys aren't doing, no, me. <laughs> when was the last time I practiced this? I'm asking myself those questions. I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 11. Well, not too much longer here. In verse, I stopped in the middle of verse 22 when he was talking about those who were getting drunk and him telling them, hey, you have homes to eat and you have homes to drink in. And then he says, or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. He says, when you're doing this, when you're not, and we'll hit it, discerning the body properly, and you're allowing yourself to eat and be full and other people in the body that aren't, you're showing contempt for the church. You know one cool thing I thought about with this, though? This shows us that the church in Corinth was a diverse church, <laughs> financially speaking. Now, maybe because we have churches everywhere, this was more in the church infancy, you know, we, it's not like that, but this meant that there were poor people in their church. They weren't handling it the right way, but it meant that that was the case, and I, to that, I commend them. I commend them. In verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and this is going to be what we're going to be doing. We're going to be participating in this. Actually, we are participating in this right now. <clears throat> when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Man. That's so beautiful. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That When we take the cup today, when we eat the bread, we're going to be reminded this is God's, Jesus' body broken so that we, we can be whole, so that we can go to the broken and we can see reconciliation and restoration and that we covenant in the cup with him and say, yeah, we're, we're part of your kingdom. We're, part, we're, we're in. We're in on your way, Jesus. For as often as you, so this is what we're doing this morning, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So remember when we talked about proclamation of the gospel, proclamation of the kingdom? If we want to talk about the closed circle that Megan was saying, that's what we're doing here. We're proclaiming the kingdom. The hope is that as we do it here, we also create spaces to do it out in other people's spaces, or in the half circle, in our homes, and maybe invite other people in, or whatever that may be. All right, verse 27. I'm almost done. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Paul's bringing the heat, isn't he? <laughs> I was like, but like, I, it's, <clears throat> I'll just keep going. Examine yourselves. Well, I think many of us have heard this, have participated in this. Examine yourselves, and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, that phrase is 
what I'm going to focus on here at the end. Eat and drink judgment against himself. And Paul goes on to say, some of you have actually gotten weak. Some of you have gotten sick. Some of you actually have died because you weren't following what he said. And that was examining oneself and discerning the body rightly. Go to the next slide. Yeah, that's fine. Leave it on that. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask us to do that this morning. Uh, this is a, so a practice that I put in years ago when I read this. I started going, wait a second, who is the body? <laughs> in context, what's the problem? The Corinthians aren't treating one another the way that the Lord would have them to treat each other, right? They're not discerning the needs and the hurts of the fellow brothers and sisters. They're just kind of going on with their own life, doing their own thing. If we're not careful, we can do church like that all day long, y'all. We can come and we can sit, we can listen to a sermon, we can sing a few songs, and we can be completely out of the lives of other people. And if we do that, I'll submit to you, that's really hard, albeit impossible, to discern Christ's body if you're not with Christ's body. <laughs> if we're not among each other, if we're not with one another, if we don't know each, what's going on in each other's lives, how could we properly discern? How could we know that someone's going hungry if we're never with them? Because we'd rather just get our church in or whatever. And I'll tell you, that's easier. It's easier to be disconnected. Relationships are hard. <laughs> As Mike shared, <laughs> trying to do a nice thing sometimes blows up in your face. <laughs> and what do you do with that? Right? This is tough. And so I'm going to ask us this morning um, to join in the practice that every time I, I, I get the bread, I always ask the Lord, Lord, how have I treated your body this week? Have I been absent from your body? Uh, were there things that you stirred in my spirit to go do that I just said no? <laughs> Did I have time for your body? Go ahead to the next slide. I'm going to ask us, as we take a, we're going to take a few moments here, I'm bringing up all the things we've been praying about, not been, pr not been praying about, that we've been teaching and hopefully praying about, actually. And I want us to discern these things in relation to Christ's body. So I want us to go, how have we been treating the Lord's table? That was the first week, I think, that we did this. Am I discerning those in my community that are part of the body of Christ that are, couldn't, couldn't bring anything to the table? They don't have anything to bring. And if that's the case, what am I doing about it? Am I saying, come, come. Am I doing like the banquet and, and, and saying, let me, let, me, let me get your food? Because the thing I love about that banquet parable is it says, basically he's saying, be like me, Jesus. Because is there any way, any way that we can repay Jesus for what he's done? There's no way. He has done it out of the complete, pure goodness of his heart. He's done everything for us. And he's saying, whenever you invite the poor and the lame and those who can't pay you back, you're becoming like me. Because they can't pay you back. That was his point. <laughs> they can't give you, they can't invite you over for dinner. They don't even have a home. Or maybe they don't have the means to do it. So we're going to ask ourselves, how have we treated the Lord's table in relation to, I want just to, in our head, in relation to others, the whole body, is there anyone I need to reconcile with? Or do I need to be part, help people come into reconciliation? Because blessed are the peacemakers. Maybe you are the mediator in between of some people that you know need some healing and reconciliation. Let's be intentional about these things. How am I heralding the good news? We talked about proclaiming the kingdom with other believers. 
Like, what, what, am I, what are we doing intentionally to proclaim this incredible message to our city and to our world and to our workplace? Have I spent any quality time this week with, my, with friends at the margins? Have I done that? How about children? Have I spent time with children this week? Have I spent quality time with children? There's so many opportunities for us to do that. Hopefully we'll participate in that this morning. Um, that will be a big part. Uh, we had a pretty good uh, turnout at uh, Inner City on uh, Thursday night, and a lot of people we got the chance to spend time with children. There's chances all over. Um, if you need opportunities, like don't ever hesitate to come to me or to a shepherd or to Greg or someone. Like if you're going, like if something is stirring, going, man, how can I participate? We had a great conversation about children the other night, and we recognized some people we just don't know how. But sometimes it's just about being present. It's just about being present. You don't have to be great at playing with kids. But if you're present, if you're present, it makes all the difference in the world. Prayer. What's your prayer life been like for the body? Is it completely, because it's easy. I, I get it. It's easy to get my prayer life completely focused on me and my needs. And I kind of see tunnel vision because I've got so much going on. But am I, through this month of prayer and building into my lifestyle of prayer, how am I praying for the body? Where are, do I not know the pain points because I'm not really with the body and I'm not asking? Do I, do I have things to pray for easily, easily, because I'm there, I'm available, I'm present with people in their lives? So we're just going to take um, a couple minutes right now and just be still. This is what I love about the Lord's Supper, celebrating it like this, is there's moments of singing and jubilee and shout and moments of reflection, because Paul says, examine yourselves, discern the body. So let's take a couple minutes here and just do just that. Two minutes seems like a long time when everyone's being quiet. Um, I'm going to pray, but I just want us to hopefully recognize that this examination and discerning doesn't end with us individually. Hopefully, it is extended into the conversations that we're going to have so that as a body, we can discern the body and what God would have us to do. Um, Father, I, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the brutal honesty of it. Um, that we can open it up and we don't see groups of people who are picture perfect that have it all together, but we see people that are struggling. Um, and this passage is big, big struggle. People getting drunk while other people can't even eat. Um, thank you for the honesty of that. And I just pray that you would help us to, as we continue to have these conversations, really discern what you're speaking to us this morning as we continue the week, the week, excuse me, the month of prayer and fasting, that we would have open ears to discern and to hear what you would have us to do. Because your kingdom is more beautiful than anything, and we want it breaking through all over our city. In Jesus' name, amen.